Tell me who hath believed, hath believed our report, and to whom is it revealed, the mighty arm of the Lord. Hello, I'm Kathy Davidson. I'd like you to join me and the ministers of music from Water of Life Church here in Plano, Texas, as we minister the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. In 1974, Sharon and Tracy Dart, as Tracy tells it, were in partnership with an old friend building swimming pools in California. The business seemed to be going great. They had pools lined up to build and there was money in the bank, so they would have plenty of money through the winter when the pool building season was over. Tracy was a songwriter, and he and his wife, along with another couple, had formed a gospel singing group, the Country Congregation, along with running their pool company. Then things turned for the worse. Material prices were high, and even though they tried to compensate, the money in the bank disappeared. When the dust settled, Tracy found they were $22,000 in debt. Tracy's partner wanted to file bankruptcy, but Tracy didn't think that was the right thing to do. So his partner said, all right then, if you want to try to save it, be my guest. And he handed over his share of the business to Tracy. It would be six months before the pool season would come again. And they had pools under construction and no money to finish them with. Tracy and Sharon began to pray with all that was in them. During this trial of their faith, Tracy was awakened from a troubled night's sleep. It was 2 a.m. The songwriter had a tune, as he puts it, echoing in my troubled brain. He got a pencil and began to write, Life is easy when you're up on the mountain, and you've got peace of mind like you've never known. But when things change and you're down in the valley, don't lose faith, for you're never alone. He thanked God for still being God in their valley. Then the chorus came, The God on the mountain is still God in the valley. When things go wrong, He'll make them right. In just 30 minutes, 72 words and four chords later, the song was complete, and Tracy went back to sleep, but not until he thanked God again for the song that God had given him and that it was ministering to him. When Tracy arrived at his office the next day, the phone rang. It was an order for a pool. And then another order came. In a time of year when no one was building pools, they had 12 pools to build. They were able to finish all their construction and work out of all their debt. God had taken them through the valley. In the early 1990s, when this ministry, Water of Life, was really beginning to grow, Dole Davidson was sitting on his bed praying. He was walking through some shaky times, and he didn't seem to have much help. While praying there, and the TV on, a Southern Gospel group, the McCameys, began to sing a song that Dole had never heard. The anointing on the song, the words and the person singing it, Peggy McCamey, ministered to Doyle. For several weeks, every Saturday afternoon, Doyle would join his faith with Peggy's, the song and the words, and it ministered comfort to him. Since then, this song has ministered to many of us here as well, including me. Here is the song, God on the Mountain, ministered by Terry and the Browns with Paul Peters. Are you down in a valley? 
You are not alone. God is with you and he is well able to bring you out if you will believe him. Life is easy when you're up on the mountain and you've got peace of mind like you've never known but then things change and you're down in the valley don't lose faith for you're never alone for the God on the Talk of faith When you're up on the mountain And your talk comes so easy When life's at its best But it's down in the valley Of trials and temptations That's when your faith is Really put to the test For the God on the
going to begin this part of the program in 1 Corinthians 1, verses 17 and 18. Here Paul is speaking. He states, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. You know, that's what God has sent me to do, to preach the gospel. And he goes on, Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross, notice the preaching of the cross and to preach the gospel are the same thing. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. We have been reading for weeks in Romans 1, 16, where it talks about, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. Well, here he says the same thing. He says, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Preaching the gospel is not an intellectual exercise. It is not words that make your brain happy. But when the gospel is preached, it is preached by the Spirit of God and it ministers to the heart. And it will minister healing. It will minister deliverance. It will minister being born again. It'll minister the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And that's what we preach. We preach the gospel. And the definition of the gospel is found in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And we're going to continue looking at the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and what it did for us. And we're going to look at the blood that was shed of Jesus when he was on the cross. What happened with that blood? What did it do for us? And I'd like to begin in Hebrews chapter 9. And the writer of Hebrews here is speaking, Then verily the first covenant, and that's talking about the covenant under Moses, had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. In other words, a sanctuary, a tent here on earth. For there was a tabernacle made. The first one was the candlestick and the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna, and Aaron's rod that budded, and the tables of the covenant. And over it the cherubims of glory, shadowing the mercy seat, of which we cannot now speak particularly. Now when these things were thus ordained, the priests went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. But into the second went the high priest alone once every year, and look here, not without blood, which he offered for himself, and for the heirs of the people. The priest went into the holiest of all, and he couldn't go in without blood. And you will see why in Hebrews 9.22, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. None of the sins under the first covenant could be remitted, taken away off of the flesh without blood. Sin has to be paid for. There is a penalty for sin. The only payment for sin is blood. Now let's look at Jesus. 
And we're going to go to where we call the Last Supper in Matthew 26. And I'm going to begin in verse 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And then he took the cup and he gave thanks and he gave it to them saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood in the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Here we have Jesus having the Passover dinner with his disciples, knowing within hours he is going to be led to the cross. And what does he do? He takes the bread and he gives thanks. And he says, this is my body, which in not very long from now is going to be broken for you. And then he takes the cup and he said, this is my blood of the New Testament, the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Jesus knew there that to remit our sins, to get our sins forgiven and removed, blood had to be shed. And he knew it was going to be his blood. I think it is remarkable of the strength of that man, knowing what was coming, to have the Last Supper like he did. And then if you notice in Mark 14, 24, he says the same thing. This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many. And he says the same thing in Luke twenty two twenty. Likewise, also the cup after supper saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. And now let's take a look at the death of Jesus. I'm going to go to John 19, beginning in verse 30. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. And the Jews therefore, because it was the preparation that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for that Sabbath day was a high day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Then came the soldiers and they break the legs of the first and of the other which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they break not his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side and forthwith came out blood and water. Jesus' blood was shed on the cross. Now what happened to that blood? I'm going to go back to Hebrews 9, and I'm going to begin in verse 11. But Christ being come a high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. What is redemption? The definition of redemption is redemption. It is deliverance. It is the ransom paid in full. Jesus obtained that eternal redemption for you and I. Let's read this again. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctify it to the purifying of the flesh, the outside, how much more 
shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience, your heart, your inside from dead works to serve the living God. Can you imagine how it might have been? All heaven rejoicing, seeing Jesus coming after he was raised from the dead with his blood to sprinkle it in the holiest of holies in heaven to buy our redemption for us. Can you just imagine? Our redemption, all of our sins forgiven in one fail swoop. Your sins, my sins, paid for by the blood of Jesus in one act, in one time. And what do we have to do for that redemption to work in us? The only thing we have to do is to believe it, to make it ours, to trust in it, to say, Amen. To say, Amen, Jesus, that's what you did. You took your blood to heaven and you sprinkled the heavenly tabernacle and my sins were forgiven. If we go to Ephesians 1, 7, it states, In whom we have redemption, in whom in Jesus, by the death, burial, and resurrection, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Redemption. The ransom was paid in full with the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus with the shedding of his blood. Your sins have already been paid in full. I was a waitress when I was in college, and I saw many times and myself also would pick up the check of an individual. In other words, Jesus picked up the check. He paid the ransom for you and I. Our sins have been forgiven. The only thing required of you and I is that we believe it, that we trust in it, that we cling to it when it doesn't feel like our sins have been redeemed, when it does not feel like our sins have been forgiven. We don't go by our feelings, but we go by the word of God and the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. I have a testimony that goes right along with this. Back when my children were small, I had a son that began being a real behavior problem in church. He would act up, he'd make noise, he'd kick, he'd kick the chair, and I'd have to remove him. He did everything that a mother wouldn't want a child to do during church. And I didn't know much about God then. And I did not know much about spirits causing behavior problems. But I began to pray what I did know. I knew that Jesus shed his blood for me. And I knew that he shed his blood for my son also. And I knew that even though my son was too small to believe that the blood was shed for him, I could believe for him. And I did. I kept praying, Jesus, you shed your blood for him. And I would name him. You shed your blood for him. He was redeemed from all the powers of darkness by your blood. You know, it wasn't too long, maybe a week, maybe two. That behavior went completely away. And my child was redeemed. 
And he from then on would sit quietly and he would enjoy church. That is what we believe. That is what you put your trust in. That Jesus' blood was your redemption. It is where your sins were forgiven. It is where your ransom was paid in full. And you don't have any more to pay. The check has been paid. The debt has been paid. All you have to do is believe it. Do you have guilt that you would like to get rid of? It is possible. If you remember what we read earlier, Hebrews 9:14, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience? Do you know that that blood can actually take the sin away where you won't feel any guilt about it because it's not there? That is what you do when you believe the gospel. I have the perfect songs to finish this program. The first one is ministered here by the Water of Life Quartet, Washed in the Blood. And then the My Girls are going to finish with a beautiful chorus, Because He Lives. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the, blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you walking daily by the Savior's side? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the blood, in the soul? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Lay aside the garments that are stained with sin And be washed in the blood of the Lamb There's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean Oh, be washed in the blood of the Lamb Are you washed in the blood? Soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? When the bridegroom cometh Will your robes be white And be washed in the blood of the Lamb? Will your soul be ready for the mantle of Christ? And be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Are you washed in the blood, in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed? 
you for joining me and the musicians from Water of Life Church. I would love to hear from you. You may reach me by email at Kathy, K-A-T-H-I-E, at Kathy Davidson, W-O-L dot com, or you may write me at Kathy Davidson, Care of Water of Life Church, P.O. Box 86-1327, Plano, Texas, 75086. You may find me on the internet at www.kathydavidsonwol.com and on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, God bless.